Hey friends, welcome to the Thrive Like a Parent podcast. You know those parents who look like they've got it all together? Yep, that's not me. I'm Dr. Brooke Weinstein, mom, widow, and neuroscience expert on all things sensory and emotional regulation. Yep, that's right. I'm here to get down and dirty on the truth behind parenting, education, burnout, neuroscience, widowhood, and the shit show we call life. So come join me for conversations with thought leaders, doctors, and women just like you who aren't afraid to speak the truth and help you find that silver lining between the to-do lists, shit shows, and chaos of parenthood. If you are craving the answers to finally find that sweet spot between chaos and calm, pull up a seat and listen in as I take you from burnt out and surviving to finally thriving. Well, hello, and welcome to Thrive Like a Parent podcast. I am so excited to discuss with you today parenting in widowhood and what that is like. And not only am I going to talk to you about that today, I'm here with Emily Toledo. And not only is she a widow sister of mine, but she also is a mentor for all the other women who come through our Thrive Doors and supports all the women. And the reason is because not only did she start out and thrive and want to do this for herself, but she showed so much emotion for all the other women and what they go through individually in their life, not just being a widow, but having other circumstances of either being a divorced parent or having tons of different outlooks on life. And she now has moved through the process of supporting all of our other women. So I would love to introduce you to Emily and Emily, we're so excited to have you. And I'm so excited to have this conversation. And so many have wanted to pick my brain of what this is like to be a widow. And I wanted to do this with you and discuss your own story as well as mine and be able to share what this has been like for both of us. And as we were just discussing before hitting record that all of our journeys are completely different, whether you're a single parent or a solo parent or you've got multiple parents because there's remarriage and this and that. There's just so many different ways about how we parent our children and all of our, our experiences matter, every single one of them. And they're all different for each one of us. So with that, I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to all of our wonderful listeners and share kind of anything that comes up for you. I'd love for you to just say a little bit about your own journey of how you've gotten to this place of widowhood and all the things. So yeah, welcome. Sure. I'm excited to be here and share my story with you. And um, yeah, so let's get started. So I currently have three little kids. So I have an eight-year-old daughter, a five-year-old daughter, and a going to be three-year-old in December. So it's a lot. um, That's for sure. But if I can just back up for a little bit of where I've been previously. Um, So I met my late husband, Brian, um, when I was 18 and we got married young for today's standards, right? At 23, I was, I think I turned 23 two weeks before we got married. Um, Then we had our first when I was 26, second when I was 29, and third when I was 32. And we had a normal marriage 
like most people have, right? You have, especially with three kids, it becomes this roommate kind of thing that happens over time because you're just inundated with everybody else's needs. And in survival mode, I was definitely in survival mode and just trying to keep things afloat. Tack onto that, I had my third in December of 2019. So shortly after that, COVID hit. Um, Mm -hmm. and it in March. And so I still was trying to process having three kids and being outnumbered, um, and taking care of three kids by myself, basically, while Brian was in the master closet working from home, I'm trying to get my kindergartner on zoom and we're not trying to have a nip slip for her, for her class, getting my newborn (laughs) And also juggling these postpartum like depression going through that because I wasn't able to have help. We're trying to keep everyone safe. Um, And then in July of 2020, our whole like future as we knew it as a family was just up in flames. Um, Brian died suddenly. We didn't see it coming at all of an unknown heart condition. We didn't know that he had a heart condition, but one one day he came home from work and about 15 minutes later, he was pretty much gone. And so um, I'm here today. That happened uh, over two years ago in 2020 and trying to figure out, right, how to do this. just on my own as a solo parent. And I never would have imagined having to do this. Um, Never would have wanted to do this, but here I am. And I'm here. Like you can survive this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for sharing. I know that sharing your particular story, especially with how sudden it happened and like you said, him coming home and then within 15 minutes, that's, it's, that's not an easy experience to live through for yourself and your children. And it's very powerful for you to be able to share that with so many and so openly. So I really, really appreciate you sharing that. Um, and I would say while I still haven't fully expressed my entire story and, um, shared exactly what happened, But while Jonathan's passing was extremely sudden and extremely traumatic, um, he was sick for a very, very, very long time emotionally. And I always had that internal feeling of this could happen, but to have no awareness and, and this completely out of the blue is completely blindsiding for you and, and completely sidetracking for your life. Absolutely. Um, I would love to know a little bit from you, if you don't mind answering, uh, just kind of like a blunt question is how does it feel to talk about this? How does it feel to talk about Ryan and that loss? Is it hard? Is it easy? Is it cathartic? Like, how does it feel to open up about all of this? Talking about the actual event that occurred is hard. Absolutely. Um, it's not something I like to remember. I don't like remembering him by that, by any means. 
So that absolutely is hard and something that I try to kind of not rid my mind of, but kind of, um, but talking about him, talking Mm -hmm. about who he was, the memories that we have with him. I love doing that because it comes from the movie Coco, but it's so true. Um, a person dies twice. So they Mm -hmm. die physically and then they die when you stop talking about them. And it's up to us as people here on earth to keep them alive Mm -hmm. by sharing memories. Um, And that's not only me sharing memories, that's people sharing memories with me that I don't even know about. I love hearing about that. My kids need that. We all need that. So um, I don't want to let him die twice. So I I want to continue talking about him. That's amazing. I love that. And it's very true. You know, we can continue discussing our late husbands to our children and still have that spirit within our homes. Absolutely. And, you know, it hasn't been an easy road, right? Here you are in the midst of how old was your youngest? She was six months old. Okay. So six months old and still in the midst of COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and navigating all of this. How has it been to navigate stepping into having a partnership and then in the blink of an eye, trying to navigate this world? How, how has that been for you? I mean, so tough. I didn't live an adult life without Brian by my side. Like I was 18 when I met him. So he was always there for me. And I hadn't by that time even found myself, right. Mm -hmm. Because I was so young and I remember even telling him, like, I don't sometimes know who I am. So even then, like he knew that about me. And so it's been a challenge trying to figure out who I am without the identity of being a wife without the identity of a partnership or feeling that safety that he brought to my life, even though safety is not necessarily a real thing, Mm -hmm. but he did bring that sense of safety in my life. And that's been, and I know for my children as well, so that it's, it's definitely been a challenge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I very much agree with you. It has been a challenge, um, to, I would say for me, the hardest part has been to navigate all the things that Jonathan used to do. I, I mean, a few months ago I was out and there's like a whole, a huge asshole in the sprinkler out there. And I was like cursing and like, I was like, God damn it. Like I was just so effing pissed. Like I was so pissed. And it was a moment where I was, I have to do all this on my own. I have no idea how to do this. And like, like, this is something Jonathan would do. And like, I don't understand. Like, why do I have to do this all on my own? And like, there's just these moments. I mean, I, Jonathan took the trash out and, you know, no joke, Jonathan fed the dogs. And so there's still things that happen in my life on a day-to-day basis where I'm like, oh, I didn't feed the dogs today because that's what Jonathan would have done. And trying to navigate all the different parts of pieces that we as we used to have, right. As, as a dual partnership of, of someone there to manage and, and do some of half of any of the different quirks or things that, you know, are on the list for the day. I would say for me, that's been hands down the hardest thing. 
I don't know, changing the light bulbs and like making sure that Jonathan did the taxes. Like, I don't know how to do that. Like now I do, but like that has been hands down the hardest thing for me is recouping and, and stepping into doing it all and having enough emotional time and space and energy to be able to do it all. The spiders for me. The spiders? Yes. What do you mean? Tell me more. <laughs> Just, so I would get this shrill and say, Brian, like this, he knew exactly when there was a spider in the house. And I, he'd be like, what is it? I know it's a bug. So he would come and kill the spiders for me because mm-hmm. I don't do spiders. Guess mm-hmm. what? I have to kill those spiders now. And it's empowering. <laughs> now yeah. I know how to kill spiders. And I, I know that's a little simple thing, but even that I'm like, okay, like I can do this. And he did a lot of other things. Don't get me wrong. But I remember the first time I was like, no, I've got to do this. I've got to protect my family and, mm-hmm. and kill this spider. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I freaking love that you said that it's empowering because I will never forget. Like we were for sure in the middle of COVID and Charlie's the bike, like the chain kept falling off. And I was like, I'm going to freaking figure this. Like, I'm going to do this. Like Jonathan would have done this in three. Like, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to do it. So I literally worked at it for an hour and a half one day. And I, I was so angry and I gave up and I was like, no, I'm going to do this. And then I tried again. Lo and behold, I looked on YouTube. There was like a third grader who was like, I'll show you how to do this. And I was like, okay. If this six-year-old can do this, like I can do this. And I, I even filmed it when I did it. It was so empowering. Holy shit. I freaking did this. I did this. Like I now know how to put a bike chain back to it. Like I did this. And while frankly, I got someone else to do the sprinkler stuff. Yeah. It's the spiders and, and the, all the things that we didn't even recognize, or I would say, frankly, take for granted. Like I didn't recognize all the pressures of, of being the primary, um, excuse me, not caregiver. That was me, but the primary financial provider. And absolutely like, I now understand so much more. And when we do those things, damn right. I did that. Like, wow. Like, holy shit. I am capable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a great feeling. It sucks that it took this yes. to have that yes. feeling, but yes, it's definitely, I feel so empowered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. When I was asking our audience uh, on Instagram, I was like, what would you guys like to know about? And how would you like to pick our brains based on this topic of moms in widowhood? What would you want to know? And one of the questions they asked are, um, are you open with your kids about your grief and you're struggling alone as a parent, like, do you share that with your children and how do you, how do you handle that? For me, there's been definitely an evolution Mm -hmm. to that. Um, in the beginning, I mean, I was just in denial, Mm -hmm. devastated, still devastated, but just in that deep, deep grief. And I could barely take care of themselves or of them. I couldn't even take care of myself. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had to lean on my parents a lot, um, in those times. And I would, uh, I remember taking my kids to school in the morning and just being like, Hey, I have two minutes. I have two minutes, shut my door bawling. Oh, 
time to cry is done. Wipe my tears, go take my kids to school. Like that's the time I had to grieve. Right. And, um, but part of me joining your program was because I knew I needed to do better for my Mm -hmm. kids to show them that emotions are okay. It's okay to feel sad. And I model that for them. I get to be the model to be like, no, it's okay. Anger's okay in grief. Sadness Mm -hmm. is okay in grief. Um, Just feeling like not recognizing your life, um, but also happiness is okay. So Mm -hmm. the duality of different emotions is also something that I learned and something that I teach my kids as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I'm more open when I have a hard day. I tell them, Hey guys, I'm having a really tough time today and let them know how they can best support me in that day. Um, and I request the same of them. Let me know if you're having a hard time. Let me know how I I can support you. Them seeing me cry, them seeing me struggle is kind of an okay and permission for them to do the same. And you can build such beautiful relationships with your kids when you are honest, um, when you do have those conversations. Now it might take some like pulling from some of them, right? My (laughs) oldest, I know, and I know your oldest also, it takes a lot sometimes to tap into their emotions, but I see it little by little. And Mm -hmm. I see just the things they say sometimes are amazing and well beyond their years. And so supportive, like words of support, like mommy, I know it's hard and you're doing the best. Like, I know you're doing the best you can. And I just yelled at them or something. Unconditional love from children. Uh, there's nothing better than that. Um, absolutely. I would definitely say, even though I created and built this model and was working with parents prior to Jonathan passing and of course, I've said many times that I, I built this based on what I knew about the brain as well as what I needed in my own home and what I needed to learn and my children needed to learn to emotionally and sensory regulate their bodies. But damn, was I grateful when we had that because it, you have no effing idea how to, you're like you said, you want to stay in bed. There is no hall pass for grief. There's no I'm going to go on vacation now. See you kids in a few months. Like there's none of that. We still have to get out of bed and bring them to school. There is not a hall pass. And to be able to step into looking at our children being like, hi, I I feel sad today or just crying in front of them or saying, "I, I just feel frustrated or I feel angry. And I share this with all of the Thrive Moms is like the first time that I finally just like showed my children what it meant to be in the blue and feel sad and just cry it out. I will never forget that moment for the rest of my life because my children were like, oh, what, what's going on with you? And I was like, mommy just feels sad. And the love, like you're saying, and compassion that came out of it was hugs and support and love. And they're learning that because we do that to them, like constantly, all we do is support our children all day long through everything. And to allow them to not only learn what it feels like to get that love and support, but also learn how to give it back in return is 
I mean, it's been, it's been healing and a connection that I have with the boys that uh, of course I wish Jonathan was here, but it's a different connection that I've, I, I've never felt with them. And your, your brain has to be able to feel those things if we hide them. And so often we do, and we have tons and tons of clients who are like, I just, you know, I'm, I'm hiding the bathroom crying today. And it's like, just allow it, like, let it out and show your children how to truly feel emotions. So many of us, I find came from families that just put on a happy face and kind of faked it, or, or, you know, it's like a costume, right. Of like, hey, and that doesn't work when shit hits the fan and you're in the midst of grief. It just doesn't. And in order to be able to move through it and allow it and accept it, you've got to feel it. Like you have to, and you cannot hide that from your kids. There's just no way because this level of grief just takes over your brain and body like completely. And you, you do the best you can. And like you said, I do feel that they, they learn that compassion and love from seeing that model of knowing it's okay to have those emotions and feelings and knowing it's okay to feel the hard stuff. Absolutely. I would love for you to share what has been your greatest tool for you in terms of parenting logically and emotionally and oh, just all that, like, how have you been able to parent through the grief? Like what was your greatest tool for you? I think honestly, what we were just talking about is mm-hmm. just modeling that emotions are okay. Even mm-hmm. anger, anger is an emotion that a lot of us don't like to talk about. It's an emotion that we're scared of and it's seen as bad, but it's a natural emotion that we have. And I think it's an emotion that comes with grief a lot. Um, I've spoken to many of my widow sisters and we've talked about anger and our kids have that too. And it's Mm -hmm. hard to see it in our kids, Mm -hmm. but they're emotional beings just like us. If we're angry about this, they're angry about this. If we're sad, they're sad. They might show it in completely different ways. It might not even come and come out as tears. It might come out as anger. A lot of times I've seen with my kids, their grief comes out in anger in other ways. And that's really, really hard for us as parents to see. So trying to support that and have conversations and not shame them for that anger but try to deal with it in a, in alternative ways, not hitting people, not being violent, things like that, but knowing that, okay, it's okay that you feel angry. I feel angry sometimes just getting on their level of, of saying, yes, I feel those emotions too. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think they need to know that they're not alone and Mm -hmm. all of us need to know that we're not alone. Right. And I think the community that thrive has is so many parents talk about the things that they don't actually talk about in their circles in life because they're ashamed. They feel guilty, all of these things. And this opens up their world to other people who are being authentic and able to share. And they're like, oh, okay, like 
I'm not in this alone. Like this is how most people feel. We just don't, don't talk about it. And community with anybody is everything. Moms, we need to be more authentic. We need to find community. If you're a widowed mom, a singled mom, divorced mom, find people that share some of your commonalities that you can build relationships with our kids, our kids that, you know, as widowed parents, try if you can to find other kids who also have lost a parent because our kids need that community as well. And to know that they're not alone and there aren't the only, sadly, they aren't the only children who have lost a parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I a thousand percent agree with you. I think that despite our fear of anger, it's there. Like despite that emotion, no matter what's going on in your life, like it's just simply an emotion. And whether you express it and state it. And in one of the earlier podcasts, I I said, explained how to regulate, right. Your emotions and sensory system. And the first one is how do you feel? Right. I feel I, I statements and anger is going to come out. So it's either going to come out in us snapping at our kids, or it's going to come out in us in our tone of voice, or it's going to come out in other ways of just frustration and, and go to bed or like whatever it is. Right. And so The beautiful part is that if you can acknowledge it and say it, your children know that you're not angry at them. I am having a hard day. I feel frustrated. I feel angry, right? I always follow that up with, I love you both. It has nothing to do with you. I'm just having a hard day, or I just feel angry today. And that way my kids know it has nothing to do with them, right? As opposed to just me lashing out and screaming and this and that, they'll be like, oh gosh, mommy must be angry at me. Like, what the heck is going on? You don't know how they're processing that and what stories they're telling themselves. But in order to show up right with the logic and emotion brain and be able to do this, we have to be able to just stay state where we're at. We have to be able to show up for ourselves. And that's showing our children that it's okay for them to do the same. And yeah, they are going to figure it out through physical means in the beginning when they're younger and test it and try it on and, and use different things. It's, it's testing, it's trying, it's, how does this feel on my body? But then we get to have the hard conversations with them of like, it is more than okay to have that anger. Like it's more than okay, but Mm -hmm. let's put your pillow and sound over your brother, right? Like it's more, it's, it's okay. Um, another one of the questions we got was, How's the best way to support us? I think that death is people just kind of like, I don't know what to do. Do I call? Do I text? Do I write? Do I this? Do I that? Do I leave them alone? Do I do that? And it is a lot of questions that people want to know. like, how can I support you? And I know that it's different. So I would love for you to share what that felt like for you and what you feel people could take away from being like, got it. I, I, I now have some guidance of how it's best to support struggling individuals. Sure. And obviously each of us needs support in different ways, right? What works for one person might not work for another. Um, and in my case, I feel like I was kind of at a disadvantage having the COVID thing happen. Mm -hmm. So people weren't sending, and also I moved in with my parents. So people weren't sending meals. People weren't 
doing things with my kids. Like it was just a whole different thing. I just had basically our immediate families, my in-laws and my parents supporting us and they were going through grief at the same time. So it was really hard. Um, like they had to worry about the cooking still, and they had to do this when people should have probably been supporting all of them too. But so what you can do, some of the things I think that people can do is don't ask what a widow needs. That is another to do mm-hmm. for a, someone that has already so many, I, the list has gotten bigger for us once our spouse has died. Um, because our spouse has contributed to the house as well. So don't give them any other to-dos. Um, if you want to do something for them, do it. So say, mm-hmm. I'm bringing dinner over on Thursday. Don't even ask what they want. If you need a third party, like a sister or something, call them and say, what do they like? Don't even ask the widow. Like It's appreciated for sure, but it adds more stress to be asking, oh, and what do you want? Because we probably don't know what we want. <laughs> We just might not even be hungry, honestly, but our kids need to eat. Um, Take the kids. Oh my gosh. Like if you want to take the kids from us for a day, take them to lunch, take them to the park. Like, oh my gosh. Yes. We, and asking for it is really hard. So if you want to volunteer, like, you know, I was thinking of taking the kids to lunch or um, taking them to the park. I will probably say yes, because Mm -hmm. the truth is, is that all of us need a break, whether you are a, you have a partnership or you are a working mom, a stay at home mom, um, a solo parent, a single parent, everyone needs a break. So honestly, that's advice for anyone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you see someone struggling, a parent struggling, take their kids from them for a little bit. Um, it only makes us better and allows us to show up for our kids better. And as a grieving parent, you can have that time to just have to yourself. And if you want to be in bed, be in bed or whatever else you need to get done, get done. Um, if you are bringing a meal to a widow, make sure that it's in a disposable container. Cause you don't want to give them like a casserole dish that they are responsible to wash and then remember who gave it to them to give it back. That's another to do, but a simple thing, right. To kind of remember it's little, but it makes a difference. True. Yeah. Um, and always just, even if they say no, keep inviting them to things. Yeah. Um, I know I've said a no, a lot of times, but the people that still invite me to things. It's so important. Um, because you know what, sometimes I just don't have the, like, I want to see you, but I don't, I just can't muster up the energy at the end of the day to go do something or whatever it may be, or come to their house. And sometimes that's better than going out somewhere, going to their house in their own place where the kids can still be there and just having a chat, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Tell them they're doing a good job. Um, Yeah, that's a good one. Like positive reinforcement, because when you're with kids all day, you don't get a lot of on the bad days. You don't get this positive reinforcement. It's like, oh, I didn't like the carrots that were with my dinner. Oh, I didn't like this or all like it's complete. Some days it's just complaining. And you're like, 
oh my gosh, can yeah. someone just throw me a freaking bone here? Can I be like released from this situation? Like yeah. you just mm-hmm. need that positive reinforcement too sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would agree with all of those. I think for me, um, the biggest thing was there, there's so much that came at me right in the beginning and in my true fashion of knowing what was right and wrong, I felt the pressure to thank people, reach out to people and like text them. Yes, I got the flowers. Yes, I got this. Yes, I got that. And to be completely like blunt, I did not have time for that shit. I love you. Thank you so much for sending all of that. This is my formal thank you right now. I cannot tell you how little I saw in terms of like vision. I saw it all, but my brain wasn't there at the same time. I was absolutely surviving. And I know each and every one of you and what you sent, but in order for me to then, Hey, thank you so much for the, you know, edible bouquet or like, I I couldn't do it. And I got text messages. Hey, just making sure you got it. And I was, I did, I promise you, I got it. And like, I'm so sorry. That may be so rude. I, I can't be apologizing in a time where I have nothing to give myself. Like I had nothing to give anyone. And I would say that was super hard. And of course it feels like it's all coming at you at once. And Mm -hmm. there's tons of like asks, like tons and tons of asks right in the beginning. And I like, almost like when you have a new baby, it's like people want to come see you. Like people wanted to come see me. And yes, it was still during COVID. Um, And like, I was like, oh my God, like I can't, like I, like, thank you so much for the offer. Thank you so much for coming. But like, I don't feel like drumming up a conversation right now. Like if you want to help, like, I would love for you to like, hang, like do a play date with the kids, you know, and allow me some time to grieve because what you don't realize is that we have to be on 24 seven after your kids don't like the damn carrots that you've cooked. You still need to do the dishes and put them away and also make the lunches for the next day. And then finish the laundry while they're heading up to make sure that they don't drown in the bathtub. And then we got to make sure that they brush their teeth, put their clothes on into bed. Like every step of the way, there is not one morsel of support behind you to show up and, and, and guide the system of like rendering your children and, and, and raising them when you did have that help, you did have that support. You did have those bits and pieces where you could tag in and tag out. And I would say the number one thing that I would recommend is like you said, don't ask, just do hands down, do that. But like, don't be afraid to call. Don't be afraid to text. Don't be afraid to write. Don't be afraid to send the edible bouquet. Like we see it. We love you for it. We will always remember it and we know it. And so often we're like, oh, yeah, I didn't want to bother you. Like I just, and it's like, I, I, I noticed the ones who I was like, hmm, there were a few, but I was like, huh, I like, Hey, like haven't heard from you in a while. She, yeah. I, I heard like, Oh, okay. Don't be afraid because we will see the missed call. We will see the, we, we will see it. Right. And I would say the most important is to keep going. If you get rejected and we're like, sorry, I can't, sorry, I can't, sorry, I can't months down the road. Maybe we will be able to say I can. And years right. down the road, maybe we'll be able to say, thank you so much for continuing to show up and continuing to put yourself out there and, and have the ask. I know that's putting more on all of you all of you've got enough going on on your own, 
But if you do want to feel or be that for someone and you've made that active choice, just know that there's not much in return that we can give you at the moment. But yet at the same time, we will remember it for the rest of our lives. Absolutely. I totally agree with all of Mm -hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And one thing, there's actually the number one thing that I didn't mention is listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I think, and it's so, so hard to find someone that will just sit there with you and listen, like word vomit or like just a shoulder to cry on, right? Many people, just like in motherhood, just try to fix, like, it's all going to be okay. It's all like, well, it's not right now. Or like, or, Mm -hmm. and don't say like, this sucks, like, Mm -hmm. aren't just validating that this sucks. Like it really sucks. Um, and when you're in this, this early grief, you don't want to know, like you're not seeing anything past what's going on right then and there. And you are just in the thick of it and you cannot see any sort of light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, this is kind of a form of a question, um, but I also know, you know, you very well in your story, but w- do you feel like there's no other way to ask this? So I'm just going to ask it, but do you feel like there's men that have stepped up in your kiddos lives, like either friends of Brian or family? Like, do you feel that, or even like coaches or things like that, have you felt that support in community or any, like, have you felt that for yourself for your, and for your kids? Yes, I do feel like people have stepped up. Um, I think definitely, I think it's really important anyways for men to have that male energy. Mm-hmm. And that's not something I can personally provide. I can be more, try to be more fun. Although Brian did call me a fun mom. So I guess I was still fun, but I can't do that. It can't replace, be replaced. And I can't have another to do on my list. I have to be realistic in that that's not mine to take on. So there have been men in our lives who have done that. So my dad, Brian's dad, um, I have a brother-in-law who is local. He took my son out to practice baseball before he started baseball. Um, and I've had to have tough conversations with coaches. I Mm -hmm. coaches and teachers. I tell them right off the bat Mm -hmm. when we start, I say, Hey, I'm not telling you this for sympathy. I'm telling you this so that you can support my kid in the best way possible. Um, and I tell them that their dad passed and that like for coaches, for example, I had told there were three male coaches for my son's baseball team. I said, you guys mean more to me and more to my son than, you know, mm-hmm. because he's looking at you guys as a male figure. And, um, I really, really appreciate all that you do. And they had tears in their eyes and they were like, we are going to do everything we can to support him. And he probably got like special treatment mm-hmm. <laughs> on the team, mm-hmm. but he, that's okay. Loved it. Yeah. yeah. And it was mm-hmm. great. And they were so supportive with him and, um, he just, it, it was great. And then with teachers, um, I've had the same thing, you know, they may not be, most of their teachers are not male, but I do always have that conversation with their teachers first so that they know, Hey, sometimes my kids talk about this. Sometimes my kids might be more sad in class. Um, and it's all been 
everybody's thanked me for telling them because they don't want to find that out, uh, just out of the blue. Yeah, absolutely. I, that got me a little emotional. Um, I know that your family, you live close to Brian's family and you moved in with your parents. And so that support has been like, so incredible for you. And I've talked to you individually of that quite wasn't there for me and it still isn't. And, um, I didn't know that it was important until I knew, you know, there are so many different styles of partnerships and you can have two mommies, you can have two daddies, you can have one daddy, you can have one mom. Like there's so many different forms of partnerships nowadays that it's probably the part of me that was like, damn right. We can do this. Like I got this, you know? no, I can be like, I, like I am everything. There's no other option. Like I can do it all. And probably within this second year, early in the second year, I really recognized like, wow, they're missing some male, um, energy just like, and it doesn't have to be through a partnership. It can be through a, a grandparent or this, or that, like it can be through or a coach, like it can be through anything. And my children do have two wonderful men in their life who have one is my nanny's husband. He has stepped up from the moment, you know, Jonathan passed and I'm so grateful to him. And my children will always have him. And, um, there's just a different energy that I feel that my children were missing and needing. And I love that you brought up teachers too, because that was actually one of the questions. It was, how can we support your children? Like, please help us understand that. And I as well, first and foremost, go up to them. And I share, like, I just need you to know this happened. Like, I just need you to know in case they talk about it and all of the things. And I think the last question that we should kind of move into an answer is, and I have my opinions on this, but I would love for you to share as well Is how do you feel that friends, family, teachers, coaches, how do you feel they can support your children best? What would be the takeaway of like, let's say they bring it up or like, how do you feel that they can support our children when it might honestly feel awkward for them of like, Oh, I don't know what to do. Like they, I'm not, even like a dad, like you're at a play date and like, yeah, I know you don't have one, but like, you know, like, what would you say to anyone listening of like how to support our children? So I think our kids just want to be normal. I think our kids know that there's something different about them. They know that, Mm -hmm. but they want to be normal. So you can have kids. Sometimes they will take advantage of the fact that they're getting special treatment because their dad died and they will use it as a manipulation in some ways. Um, but from teachers, I think it's just, just recognizing that it's going, things are going to look different. Their sadness, their, um, demeanor on some days might be different when you're doing like the father's day projects mm-hmm. or mother's day projects. If it was the loss of a, a wife, mm-hmm. um, I've had teachers email me, how do you want us to handle this? And I really appreciate them just reaching out to me. And you, what I say is however, my kid would like to handle it. If they want to make something for their grandfather an uncle or anyone else, they can do that. But I don't also want them to feel like they can't participate. Mm -hmm. Um, They can even make something for their dad uh, still. 
So I just appreciate open communication Mm -hmm. from teachers and from coaches or anything like that. It's really important. Um, and let them talk about it. If it comes up and they tell, sometimes these kids, they're like holding this in just like us. And I know I've had in some instances, should I just say it? Should I just say that I'm a widow? Should I say this? The kids are doing the same thing of like, (laughs) should I say that my dad's just rip the bandaid off? And yes, they do. They'll blurt it out just randomly. And it's heartbreaking having those conversations beforehand. So no one's caught off guard and, um, they're supported in, mm-hmm. you know, in talking. And it's not like this, like taboo thing, like you need to be quiet about it. No, it's a normal part of life. And my kids, your kids had their innocence ripped out from them at mm-hmm. such early ages. And they should be allowed to talk about that. Like, I know it's mm-hmm. scary for some other people, but like, imagine being here as a child or as an adult and feeling so isolated that you can't talk about something that's huge. That's so heavy on your heart. Like we should all just normalize grief a little bit more Mm -hmm. because we all have that in common. We all have, we are all going to die one day. We will all lose someone special to us one day. And if we don't talk about it, it makes it that much harder for those who are are going through it. Um, because no one knows what to do. No one knows how to support each other and, and support does look a lot different from other people. Some people will just literally just turn their eye at it because they don't know what to do or it scares them. Um, or they think that if they're around you, something bad's going to happen to them. Like it's a hard, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree with everything you said. And my children, especially Charlie, because he's older, has for sure blurted it out and been like, yeah, my dad died or like, hi, like nice. Yeah, my dad died. And I can tell the discomfort in Charlie when he's sharing that we go to the sushi place with these awesome teenagers, boys, they all learn from, you know, the owners and their son. And so we like going there and sitting at the sushi bar and Charlie's like, yeah, because my dad died. like he wanted to say it. And the biggest piece of advice I can give you for anyone listening. And I hope Emily, you agree with this. It's like, instead of using the words, yeah, I'm so sorry, buddy. Ask them, be like, how do you feel? Like if they're choosing to tell you this information, that means they feel safe enough to share it with you. And if they feel safe enough to share it with you, allow them to continue. Ask curious questions of how, yeah, how do you feel? Yeah. I feel really sad. Thank you so much for sharing that. Like allow them to know it is okay to talk about it because they do feel different. Like Charlie has shared that with me before. Like everyone knows in my class that daddy died. I'm like, really? You think? And I don't know if they know, like, I don't know. It could be just a story he's sharing and telling himself and the difference that he feels within himself. But for anyone listening, like if, if, a, if that has happened to a child that you're around, um, whether it's a male or a female, like embrace that child and, and allow them to be, feel that love from whoever it's from. And of course you're not going to replace that, but allow them to feel included and, and welcomed and that it's okay to share because the more they share, the more they can heal for sure. And I know Absolutely. I said that was the last question, but I have one more for you. That's totally fine. Okay. 
what would you say has been, this is a really hard question, but what would you say is the best worst thing that has come out of being a widow? Like, what would you say is like the thing that you're like proud of, or the thing that you're like, wow, I did that. You know, like what, how, and I know that's a hard question, but do you have any moments of being a mom? Right. Like, yeah. So that's hard because right. I would give anything to have my old life back. I would give anything to have Brian back. However, I know that's not possible. Right. And I know that I have to move forward, not only for myself, but for my kids. I model that as well. I model that there can be joy after grief. I'm still so like, what am I going to do? Just my kids doing something funny. And I'm just, just sitting there emotionless. Like, no, there's so much joy in life to still be had. And I know, and Brian and I actually were able to have certain conversations. I know that he would want us to still experience life Mm -hmm. to the fullest. And I owe that to him because he's not here to be able to experience life. And I can't take for granted being able to watch these kids grow up because that's something that I grieve for him that he, mm-hmm. he's not able to do. The hardest thing for me is to articulate. Um, and I think just the hardest thing, cause it feels at the beginning, it feels icky to be like, mm-hmm. I did that and I can do mm-hmm. that by myself. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel empowered. I remember having a conversation with you mm-hmm. about this. I now I'm okay with my wins. Like I am doing this, you know, on my own as a parent. And I know I'm capable of these things. My sense of confidence, even while being married to Brian, like he always said, I wish you were more confident was like slim to none. And although I'm still not a super confident person, I have grown leaps and bounds in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, there's been so much growth because I've needed to be, there's no one here to stick up for me. Right. Right. Um, and just taking that time for myself and asking for help and making sure that I regulate myself by, for me, that's running or strength training, things like that, that really came to fruition. Or I really realized that when I was in the thrive group, I, I hadn't been exercising since consistently since having kids. And now I make it a conscious effort four or five times a week. Mm -hmm. I'm running or doing some kind of strength training and my kids join in with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes, and it's just been empowering to see that my mental health has gotten so much better. Mm-hmm. When I regulate my body, when I'm working out, it's not because of the reasons that I did in high school. It's not mm-hmm. because I need my body to like, my abs need to look this way. And I need to look good for this person and blah, blah, blah. Not at all. Like I'm doing it because I feel good when I'm doing it. I feel my brain feels good. Like my, I feel strong and I have gotten physically stronger as well, but and that's empowering in of itself, but, um, it's just regulating my body and taking charge of who I am finding myself again. Like I, she's been missing for a while. Like the old me was missing for a while. 
And now I'm not going to be the same person now than I was either, right. but there's a lot of still, I enjoy the same things. And mm-hmm. I find myself singing again, exercising again, like doing, making jokes and it's feels good. Like mm-hmm. it feels good to find myself again. And I hate that obviously what happened, but I think it's so important to show as an example to other widows, to as an example to my children, like my biggest fear, honestly, in all this was Brian died. I didn't want me to die too for them. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. part of me did die for a while, but like, they don't deserve to have me die too. They deserve for me to be fully present and live my life. And I'm always going to have these bittersweet feelings of them growing up and wish that Brian was here to experience and have them have their dad to experience things with them. And I'm also able to provide this happy life for them and in a beautiful life in different ways and have different perspective on life and not take certain things for granted that I did before and show up differently because I also recognize the things that I did that weren't so great, you Mm -hmm. know, like in relationship or anything like that. So I think just that duality of life is so important. Yes. Yes. Which is why it's the worst, but best, right? It's like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a double-edged sore. And I would say everything you said, ditto, like a thousand percent. And I would say the one thing that has come out of this is I didn't know how resilient I was. Like, I didn't know that this person was inside of me. And like, I think I did. That's a lie. I think I did. And I know I did. Like you said, you like lost it for a while and relationships and marriage and, and, and being a parent, like all the different things, it just takes a toll on you. But I, I, I won't ever take away that sense of like, fuck. Yeah, I did that. Like, like, holy shit. I can't believe I did that. Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe that I handled, like I said, the taxes and the, like, oh my gosh, like, and that resiliency of like finding yourself again in a different way than before. And it is a double-edged sword because we wish this hadn't happened, but at the same time, it's, it's, you're getting to live for both of you almost. And you're getting to find that resiliency within your own life and within yourself. And hands down, I feel stronger and more brave and resilient than I ever imagined I could in my entire life. And while it came out of grief, I agree with you. It is so important to hear that. And for others who are struggling to hear that, and for anyone who's lost a family member or a child or or a spouse or a grandparent, like anything, grief is grief and you can get through it. And, um, it is okay to feel your feelings, but it's also okay to share your wins and show that to your children as well. And that duality is so important to, um, mention and yeah, I appreciate you sharing all of this and it's been so wonderful to have you on and thank you for being so open, vulnerable and sharing. I know that's not easy, but I hope that this will help a lot of moms and dads and anyone who's listening to be able to know that it's okay to talk about and it's okay to have highs and lows and all the in-between and all of our stories matter. Like all of them matter in all of the different ways. And yeah, I guess 
that's it. And until next time, XOXO, Dr. B. Bye.